Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. So if you've got your watch out, we are now in 30 minutes into the 13 hours of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and one of you on the way into church decided that I might need a little bit of help five-hour energy. We'll try not to use this before the end of the sermon. Uh, If we do, we won't uh, be able to sit still the rest of the day. But as we gather today, this is such an important Sunday. It's one of those rare times in which the fourth Sunday of Advent and Christmas Eve collide on the same day. So this morning, we spend our time looking at the fourth candle, the candle of love, and then after lunch, we kind of move into Christmas Eve. But when we think of the story, as we're about to hear in Matthew's gospel, we see where it really does kind of run together with our faith. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, But before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit." She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will, sh- he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the prophet had spoken by the Lord. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took her as his wife. But he had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. My brothers and sisters, my friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, all month long we have been racing to this day, racing to this moment. But let us not race through it. Let us in this moment, let us hear your words for us so that we would leave this hour of worship with you, transformed by them, so that we would not be mere hearers of your words, but doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So when I went to seminary some 30 years ago, there, was, there were two types of students. There were the, the young, almost fresh out of college crowd. Sometimes we're within two or three years of that. And then there were the ones that were more settled, married, second career students is what they were called. And so we each had this sort of similar journey, this similar path. We both had to tell our call story a multitude of times, first to get into the ordination pipeline, second to... Uh, began to apply to seminary, and then third, in seminary, we told these stories as a way to get to know each other. 
And then what we found is ultimately we tell this story each and every time we were sent to a new family of God, a new congregation. And in each of our stories, there was a similar thread. There was sort of a, a burning bush moment where we felt God calling us and feelings of inadequacy and fear and trembling at what was being asked of us. For those like me and the younger crowd, we carried this burden and we had to maybe convince ourselves we heard God's call upon our lives and maybe our families of origin that this is what we wanted to do with our lives. But for the settled crowd, the second career students, they had even more. They had all that we dealt with and then even more. Because many of them had settled down. And so I think of my friend Jim, who was retired from the Air Force, when he experienced his call to ministry, he had to go home and tell his wife that we're going to no longer be nomads for the Air Force, but now for the United Methodist Church. Or Loy, who was an oil executive out of Texas, he was married and established. He had sort of hopes and dreams for their future, and then it got turned upside down in one call story. See, their calling was not just individual, but it was for them as a family, for them as couples. It radically changed what they knew where home would be, what their routines were, what their income streams looked like, sort of the schedule and rhythm of life. All together turned upside down. So this, call, this, uh, this conversation around the calling of one was really the calling of the other, for they were both entering husband and wife into uncharted territory. And I believe their spouses understood Joseph's conundrum at best that we see here in today's text, and understood that what Joseph knew in his heart was that God is always with us, that God gives us the greatest love that God gives us a choice to accept, more importantly, a calling to share that love. And so as we examine the text, we see that this rings true. We see this in Joseph and Mary. Look at their story. They were engaged, betrothed to be married. And so they decided to strictly follow the customs of the day to not share a home, to not cohabitate until after they were married. And then along the way, what happens? Mary finds herself with child, and Joseph, troubled by this, thinking of the reputation of the day, his reputation, her reputation, he decides that he is going to divorce her quietly, break the engagement, if you will, and just let her disappear into the night. He does this to save her ridicule and disgrace, compassionate man that he is, but then he has a dream. And in that dream, the angel of the Lord intercedes. And what we know from Scripture is that any time the angel of the Lord shows up, you better watch out. Because God's about to do something big, something monumental, you better pay attention, you better listen, because God's going to turn your life upside down. And he tells Joseph what we know about this child, this child born to be king. So Joseph has this choice her calling can become his calling, or he can still run far, far away. But if he is obedient as she is obedient, think the next step through, he becomes the father of the Holy Father's child. You don't want to talk about parental pressure. Sometimes Christmas brings out the best in us as parents. Now, you just imagine that you're raising God's child in your house. A little pressure on you there. 
But the angel tells him the scoop, and the angel reminds him of the prophecy. He reminds him that a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call him Emmanuel, that means God with us. So Joseph knows what Mary knows. Joseph knows that God is there in the toughest of decisions. God is with us as we struggle to clearly hear God's calling upon our lives. We have that true love, the true love like what Joseph and Mary had, that it requires God pouring into us each and every day to face what may come our way. Because make no mistake about it, Joseph and Mary, they put it all on the line in this story. They put their lives on the line, they put their reputations on the line, they put their future on the line, all because they knew what we know, that God is with us always that God gives us this greatest love ever and the call to share it with the world. So think about that this season of Advent as we're preparing our hearts for this day, for the celebration of Christ's birth, which comes tomorrow. We come to worship. We come to each time we come in this place, we come to give thanks and to praise God for what has happened in our lives. But we also come to listen. We come to listen to God and what God might be calling us to do, who God is calling us to be, what God is revealing to us about God and God's love for us, how God is calling us to change our lives for the sake of the kingdom. So let's ask ourselves this question. Think over the span of your lives. When have you heard God calling you to change your life? to make a change in a way that not only affects you, but might affect the others around you. Maybe about a new job or a new profession, or to change the way you live, or to change the way you approach money, or to change your friendships and those whom you socialize with, or change how we spend our time. No doubt if you've heard this call from God to do something different than what you're doing, you find yourself at this proverbial crossroad of life, at the fork in the road. One way is to continue with the status quo, and the other is to go where God is leading us, even if we can't see around the corner. And what we know is we know that we want to make the right and most faithful decision when we're standing at that crossroad. But what we know is we know exactly what Joseph felt at that moment, the uncertainty. But if we search our hearts, we know not only what Joseph felt, but what others along the way that have answered this call have witnessed in their own lives, that God will be with us, that we are not alone, and thanks be to God. I think about Jim and Loy, how they must have felt having their lives all figured out, all planned out, knew exactly what they were going to do, and then God turns the fruit basket upside down and says, yeah, but I got an idea. Follow me a little more closely. Or I think about Bill W., who founded AA in 1934. You know, he wrestled with addiction his whole life, and he finally hit rock bottom, and he realized that God was calling him to change who he was, how he was living, what he was doing. And he radically changed his life when he couldn't see around the corner and look at what he's done for others with addiction around the world. Or I think of Clarence Jordan, 
the businessman who would come home every night and look at the stock market returns to count his earnings for the day, very wealthy, high-end, more borderline to today's equivalent of, say, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos. And then one day he has this crisis of faith. There must be more to life than just counting capital gains, counting dividends, counting dollars. And he's convicted to sell it all and to leave New York and to move to Plains, Georgia, to a place called Koinonia Farms, to begin a ministry that builds houses for low-income families. See, he felt this call, much like Joseph did, to go where God was leading him, around the bend, to put it all on the line. And he knew exactly what Joseph knew that God would be present with him, that God was pouring out his love for him as he tried to love humanity. Each of these men did this in their families as well. And so as we listen to him, as we listen to hear God's call upon our lives, may we have those kinds of ears, ears that are willing to listen and hear everything that God calls us to do. And as we hear the thing that scares us most because we can't see around the corner, we are unsure of what the future may bring. We're afraid of the pressure that it might put on our lives that what we know is what Joseph knows, that we are not alone, that God's love will be with us to show us the way. So I think the challenge for us this year is we hear this Christmas story again and again, and we know the story by heart. We know it whether we've been listening to it for years in church or on the peanut special or what we can just kind of stitch together from storybooks. We know the story, but would we really know what it means for us? Is that story really beckoned to you and to me to change how we live in light of that story? In light of a child born to be king, laid in a manger, no crib for a bed. So man, the challenge for us is to often to hear, to put Christ back in Christmas. We hear that from time to time in the, the news media or, or on the radio, that we should put Christ back in Christmas. Well, I think Howard Thurman, the theologian, gave us some ideas of what that means. So the idea of putting Christ back in Christmas is really a call for you and to me to carry this candle of love out into the world with us. Howard Thurman writes these words, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are back home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, then the real work of Christmas begins. Friends, I dare say this is our calling, the real work of Christmas. The real work of Christmas begins, he says, to find the lost to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild nations, to bring peace among people, to make music in the heart. So my prayer for us this day is as we leave this sanctuary, as we go out into the world, that we carry these words, we carry Joseph's story with us in our heart, and we carry these words of Howard Thurman, and we go out to radically change our lives as individuals and as a community to do the work of Christmas. So that we know that God is not only with us, but God's love is poured out for us. 
and that there's a calling for us to share it with the world. And we carry the light of this candle of love into a world that desperately needs to know what we have found in this place. God with us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.